RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all, ever. Okay, start the thing. everybody and welcome to RNMD, a show about doctors and nurses working together in this mad world of medicine. I'm Abby, your nurse host. I'm Laura, your doctor host. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Okay, Laura, the last time we talked, we were like, we have a weird surprise. We have big stuff in the works, but we can't tell you yet because we were recording on Sunday to be released on Monday and our big surprise came out on Tuesday. So what happened? Uh, we have girl bossed way too close to the sun is what happened. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so we partnered up with nurse Blake, uh, shout out nurse Blake, uh, on a petition asking the joint commission to add safe staffing ratios to their accreditation standards for hospitals seeking accreditation. Um, and it sort of got out of hand. It got crazy out of hand. So I checked it this morning, and I think we had around 360,000 signatures. It's not bad. Seems decent. <laughs> You're I mean, unimpressed. Uh, <laughs> I'm very so, impressed. So I feel like we should like add the context that when we were initially talking to Blake about like, oh, you know, what's the goal for this? Abby is like completely straight-faced. One million. So I'm like, yeah, uh, we're not there yet. <laughs> Yeah. I always have like a really lofty goal. I feel like that's really, it's important actually to like drive it. To be fair, I'm pretty sure I said, I want everybody. I want all the people. Yeah. All of the people. So (laughs) which is more. Yeah, that's true. So maybe (laughs) neither of us is reasonable. Um, Well, yeah, neither of us are. Okay. That's not a maybe. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So we um, have obviously gotten some attention that impact wasn't necessarily having uh, with we had, you know, we obviously had some attention before, but this has sort of been like a much bigger, sort of wider thing. Um, we've gotten sort of like some questions, some discussion that I think are a lot, some feedback that I think is valid feedback, but um, it's, been, I thought it's been interesting. We, yeah. Yeah. I thought we could talk about some of the reasons why, you know, I think sometimes we forget even and, and other people certainly because you you know, you don't think about other people's day to day really, but we are two people basically just running impact on the day to day front. We have a lot of volunteers and we have our co-founders, but Laura and I really do the day to day work. Um, and sometimes we don't have enough communications people. We Mm -hmm. don't have enough social (laughs) media people. We don't have enough people period to really communicate like, why are we doing certain things? And, you know, so I think there was not a big group, but there was a small group of people who were kind of like, well, why Jayco? You know, why, which why is, did you pick? Which is valid. Like there are a which lot is of organizations valid. we could have gone after. Yeah. Um, um, I, so maybe we could talk about that. Why? Yeah, definitely. Um, and just like a, like a note, part of the reason that Abby and I forget to communicate 
this stuff to y'all is because like I feel like we're in constant communication. So we're like, oh yeah, yeah, everybody's on board. Like, no, it's like yeah. the two of us are on board. And then we just forget to mention it to anybody else. Yeah. Um, we have these really long conversations about the strategy of impact, and that doesn't get disseminated. I feel like that's something we're gonna have to work on. But yeah. anyway, we're also yeah. new and we're yeah. giving ourselves a tiny bit of grace. <laughs> we are, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these conversations are like on on our way home from work or something. Like it's yeah, you know, it's a lot. So, okay, so why Jayco? So, God, I don't even know where to start. Well, okay, let me start by saying the petition is at change.org slash safe staffing. If you haven't signed it, please pause this and sign it right now. It's actually on the front page of change.org's petitions right now. I'm looking at the site, and we are at the very top um, right now. And right now we're at... 364,000, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that I do want to lead off sort of before we get to in the weeds of this, of the safe staffing petition is absolutely a single step in a much, much longer campaign and a much longer strategy of how we sort of want to pursue institutional change. Um, so, you know, it's not, we're not saying this petition is going to fix safe staffing. This petition was sort of our way of getting safe staffing literally on the front page. It's We're literally on the front page of change.org. And I think that's a huge thing because, you know, nurses have been talking about safe staffing forever. RTs have been talking about safe staffing. Sort of these other disciplines are starting to talk, talk about safe staffing a lot more. But it still is a conversation that's limited to sort of the healthcare industry. And I think a huge first step in getting any sort of systemic change is getting that conversation sort of into the zeitgeist. Like it needs to be everyone's talking about this. Like, oh, my grandmother's nurse had 12 patients when she was at the hospital. Like, that's not acceptable. I want better as a patient is, I think, a necessary first step before we can really pursue any sort of other pressure for change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And I think it's important to to point out that we are a 501c3, which means we are technically non-for-profit status. A 501c4 tax status would give us the ability to do political action. We have not applied for that. We we haven't the intention of doing that at the end of the year, but we haven't done that yet. And I think that's until we do that, frankly, I think that's going to create a lot of confusion about our um, yeah. nonprofit because people do want to see us go after, say, CMS. And I agree with that. That was a critique that we got like yeah. why why go after Jayco when CMS is really like the head it's the neck you know right. um and and I think that's fair we can't legally go after them will we in the future absolutely absolutely and I hope by then when we get to that point we have a huge team to do that yeah. because that's going to be a massive undertaking that I don't take lightly Jayco let's be honest is a very easy target first of People all it's a hate Jayco hate Jayco. I mean, they profit literally off of the labor of healthcare workers. They do it to, they come in and survey us. They make our lives so much harder just to justify their own jobs in the name of safety, quote unquote, when they have no intention of making our hospitals safer. And I mean, honestly, that's where I, I struggle a little bit with Jayco. Um, because their mission is good. Their mission is similar to ours. You know, their mission is promoting patient safety. And I think that's to a certain extent that makes them sort of a unique recipient of this petition as well, because they're saying we're here to promote patient safety and then they're doing things 
that aren't really in the interest of safety and are at the expense of healthcare workers. And like CMS as a target for systemic change, I think is absolutely correct. But I think you're right that JCO has more of an emotional appeal. People, you know, healthcare workers know JCO as these people who come in and do this shit and don't seem to be fulfilling their stated purpose. If you're like, hey, let's come after CMS as a federal agency, people are like, what are you talking about? It doesn't attract right. the same sort of appeal. It doesn't attract the same sort of conversation. And like, if we're, if our goal is to get this into the zeitgeist, coming after CMS is a very weird and I think ineffective approach. So as far as <laughs> legislating change, yes, we need to go for like federal agencies. But as far as starting this conversation that is the necessary groundwork to mm -hmm. get any sort of voting movement, any sort of legislative movement... Like, Jaco is the only group that makes sense, I think, for right now. Right. Um, and the other thing is, like, CMS's mission is not, like, it is to a certain extent promoting patient safety, but, like, CMS's mission, vision, like, their governing forces are much more complicated. Like, yes. You know, they yes. have, CMS has a ton to do with funding. It has a ton to do with healthcare financing. It has, to, like, there's so many levels of CMS that we can't, like, Jaco again, it's an easy target because their stated mission is patient safety and they're not fulfilling that. Like that's right. a really easy thing to call out. And CMS is not as easy to call out in the same way. And we, we, um, we want to be very calculated. I think something that Laura and I do not communicate well enough or often enough is how we view this organization as a marathon. This is a very, very long term game for us. I am certainly not going to jump in with no paid staff, with no organizational structure, where it's me and Laura still working full time at our our jobs, and Laura, I mean Laura, even more than that, frankly, and and then get into a fight with CMS, which has tons of funding, which has tons of resources. That's not a good strategy for us long term. We we need to take this bit by bit. This is like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Like that's yeah. what that's what we're doing here. And Jaco is a is a jumping off point. So I really do I actually appreciate I really people thought we were going to be mad at like the people who were who were saying this and kind of giving us critiques because the people who were giving us critiques really knew a lot about yeah, legislation and policy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what's in the petition because Laura and Anna are our beautiful writers. Uh, they write most of our policy, all of our, I love everything that they write. So I love the ask in this petition, which I feel like it's lost, right? There's a lot of social media. There's a lot of people are, are, it's fun in the comments and listen to some degree that's important for a movement, but I really want to talk about like the meat and potatoes of this petition. Can we read it? I'm going to click on oh it. God, I don't even have it open. Can I sum it up? I'll sum it up. Okay. So the overall ask of the petition, like the essential task is asking the joint commission if their goal is patient safety. And we have this literature that safe staffing is a necessary condition for patient safety. I mean, we referenced the Linda Aiken paper from she had one in 2011, one in 2014 that found that for every additional patient, a nurse carries the patient's risk of mortality goes up by as much as 7%. Like, you know, we have this pretty like measured body of evidence that says that safe staffing is necessary for patient safety and in, in sort of like an intersectional way with widened, 
mortality disparities in, in minority populations, things like that. Um, so we have this evidence. So why is JCO not addressing this um, as a standard for accreditation? We are asking that they do so. And then the other thing that I think is interesting is we don't have this body of evidence for other specialties. Like you'll see if you look back through our safe staffing education we don't have these numbers for other specialties. There's very little regulation whatsoever for respiratory therapists, for doctors, for techs, for like dietitians, for anybody else. Um, and the fact that we don't have substantial evidence for what a safe staffing ratio is makes it extremely challenging to yeah, legislate, to recommend, to do anything for safe staffing ratios for these other disciplines which we all need like this is not specifically a nursing issue yes. we only have nursing literature but this issue is relevant to everybody so one of the asks is that the joint commission commits you know supports develops um education research for these other disciplines so that we actually can make informed policy decisions based on more right. than just vibes, basically. Yeah. And I think, first of all, I think that's a really good point. When we talk about staffing, we always get caught up with nursing. You know, I'm very guilty of this. Uh, and I think it is because, I mean, Linda Aiken did the work and did the research and we have that data based on nursing. And nursing is kind of in your face in unsafe staffing, right? But everybody is experiencing this. Every single person in the hospital, like not even clinically, every single person in the hospital BVS. is, yeah, yes, like, like our, everybody. Our security people. Oh my god! Yeah. Don't don't get me yeah. started. I, had I to won't. Like, I had to call <laughs> the security office to be like, "Hey, I have two unsafe patients down here." Can you help me? And they're like, no, you have no, you have one, you there's have one, one of you have, us. You have one yeah. security guard decide. Yeah. And I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Everybody. Yeah. So I think it is important. And, you know, I'm always like the person who's asking why, like, why do we only have that data? Like, is it, is it because is the funding not there because they don't want the data or, you know, like how did Linda, Linda a can get it. I feel like we need to try to get her on this podcast. I would love Linda. If you're listening, I love you. I'm obsessed with you. We talk about We're you obsessed. all the time. Please. We talk, talk about you. Yeah. I'm going to try to reach out to her. <laughs> I think you should. And I feel like this is total speculation. I know nothing about her, her, her psyche, but like, I feel like it had to be the same thing of like, I'm fucking pissed about this. I'm going to go yeah. prove it. Like, I, I feel like it's a little bit of the petty energy that we bring to things. Yes. And, and I, I love it. That. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. I'm, I'm very here for it. Um, okay. I want to just summarize what you wrote, Laura, because I'm proud of what you wrote. Okay. I want to just, I want to go through this like just a little bit. Okay. So you start out by saying, you know, the joint commission has worked for 70 years to drive quality improvement and patient safety and healthcare. Um, and then you basically flip that on them. Like, well, why aren't you, there's a surplus of evidence that safe staffing decreases sentinel events and patient mortality, right? So in keeping with safety, we demand that the Joint Commission, and then you go into, there's there's five asks, right? Immediately require safe staffing ratios for all levels and settings of care with noncompliance to those ratios being held as a barrier to accreditation. So this is, I think this 
this point is important. When people are asking us why not go after CMS or something like that, which all very valid, but there is some power still with the Joint Commission. They Hospitals want that sticker, and they spend a lot of money and a lot of effort. And anybody who's been in a facility right before a Joint Commission visit knows that, that the managers are scrambling. They're being given scripts. I literally was given a script by my hospital once of if the Joint Commission comes to talk to you. Nice. I mean, they want this sticker. So it, is it a solution? Is it a cure-all? Is it better than legislation? No. But is it something that you actually could hold over their heads a little bit? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, okay. Immediately, this is Laura's <laughs> urgency. I was, I was feeling feisty. Yeah, I, I love feel, it. I also feel like it's worth stating that I... I, I was just like hammer typing this out in like 12 minutes before work one day. And I was like, no, we got to fix it. Like it was. Very yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we got really worked up about this. I love it. Okay. Immediately develop a task force that includes currently practicing clinical providers of all disciplines to determine appropriate staffing ratios for each disciplined. Again, this is important. This is an important ask, not just nursing. Right. Um, and base it off care settings, with existing research and clinical expertise. I, I think that's a really a really good point because every facility is different. A critical access hospital is much different than my hospital, right? Mm -hmm. I still, I talk like I'm still working in the hospital. <laughs> I, I feel like I'll never get over that. It's fine. Yeah. Um, develop and make publicly available an annual report based on payroll data of individual hospitals compliance with mandated ratios. This is similar to some of the legislation that has been passed, like in New York, for example. I think uh, Illinois has a similar transparency law mm -hmm. with the hospitals that they have to make their actual ratios transparent to patients, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. Um Develop and disseminate objective and peer-reviewed research on the impact, I like how you, you snuck impact yeah. in there, <laughs> of staffing ratios on workers and patients for all healthcare disciplines. It's really good. Yeah. And the last one, transparently partner with any and all relevant organizations, state, federal, professional, to achieve these goals and ensure the prioritization prioritization of patient safety over stakeholder profit. This one's important. Let's talk about why. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this where we pull up the, the screenshot of uh, how much money they make? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the stakeholder profit portion is really important, right? Um, Joint Commission is a nonprofit. And for the record, we are a nonprofit. Nonprofit doesn't mean no profit, right? People have to make a salary. You have to pay workers fairly. We totally understand that. But there's a difference between fair and what's happening at Joint Commission, right? I love to talk about money. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this lady, Paige Rogers, she is a CPA. She is the chief financial officer at Joint Commission. She makes $1.7 million a year working 38 hours a week. And I'm going to guess that's not in a COVID room, right? <laughs> how, much, how, much, uh, how much did you make? A year working uh, <laughs> like a lot less, six, like a 60 fraction hours a week. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Like a fraction of that. And my yeah. body was broken when I yeah. went home. She's probably like in a spa all day. <laughs> Do we want to break out her hourly? Oh, hold on. I'm actually going to break out her hourly wage real fast. Give me a minute. Please, please okay. do that. Oh my God. Um, 
Yeah. So I think, you know, and again, okay, let's talk about, so Paige Rogers, it's always fun. I always say this, it's always fun to talk about the egregious ones, but let's talk about the other people. Mark Chasson, who's the president and CEO, uh, he made 1.6 million, right? Do you want, do you want to see her hourly wage? Are you ready? I want you to, I want you to live react to it. I'm scared. Okay, go ahead. No, <laughs> that bitch. Oh, that bitch. $912 an hour. Uh huh. Oh my if, if we God. Three weeks of vacation and 38 hours a week. Wow. And she probably gets more vacation than that. Let's be real. And let's be real. She probably gets, um, incentive. She probably gets like a car stipend. She probably gets oh, a whole yeah, bunch of yeah. yeah retirement and package and all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, you know, some of the other questions we got about this petition were about like, well, what about the DNV, for example? Yeah, um, or there are like a couple of other, like, I think there are two or three other accreditation organizations and why we mm-hmm. didn't go after them specifically. And a magnet as well. Yeah. And honestly, all of those totally valid questions. And yeah. I think so this is like sort of getting into long-term strategy that it honestly might be better to not broadcast, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Cause I think it's, I think, <laughs> it's a, I think it's a valid. It's discussion. important. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that we talked about, cause we did, we actually talked with Blake, Blake suggested adding some of these other organizations. And I think these other organizations are sort of important um, to discuss. And I think there's a good chance that we will have similar efforts towards each of these organizations in the future. I mean, that's the thing is we have so many people in healthcare that are fucking shit up right now. Like, mm-hmm. how about come after uh, United Health Healthcare? Like, come after the insurance companies. Like, that would be my personal, like, oh, my God, I'd love it. Yeah. Blue Cross Blue Shield is mine. Yeah. 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 Like, so, I mean, there are a lot of people who need criticism and need this kind of effort. We chose Jayco as a single entity, sort of as a, like we talked about, they're a very well-known organization. There's a lot of bad feeling against them because of direct harm they've done to to nurses in particular, but really to all healthcare workers. Yeah, And I think my personal strategy with things like this is you come in with a very clear, very specific ask of one person and you make it so if they if this one person says no, it is abundantly clear that they have said no. Like, right. I don't want it to be like, OK, we address this at six people. So they all sort of divide the responsibility of like, oh, well, nobody else did anything either. Therefore, exactly. I don't have to like it weakens exactly. your ask if you have multiple people to share the blame. But yes. if I'm like, hey, like, Abby, I need you to do this thing. And you just don't do it versus if I'm like, hey, 30 people, I need someone to do this thing. No individual person has that responsibility. I mean, you realize that we're basically doing like code communication for the strategy of running this, right? Like if you just say, I need a central line, like that's not how you do yeah. that in a code. No. Yeah, you you're have, like, you know, hey, like Mark, Laura. Get me a central yeah. line. Like yeah, you went now, to me and, and I went to generic Mark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to work with a Mark actually in the ICU. He's a great nurse. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He would get your central line for you. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I think that's a, and that's sort of a thing. um, Like our asks, the way our asks are written is very specific as well um, of, you know, sort of having a little bit of a timeline, having a, and not, you know, like it's specific that all of our asks go together. It's not a one or the other. It's not a choose your own adventure. It's we demand all of these things. 
do we expect to get all of these things? No, but it right. sort of puts the onus on Jayco of like, we have addressed this only to you. There's no one you can share this responsibility with. And we've asked you for all of these things. If you say no to any component of them, it's very transparent that you have said no to this. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. I think, I think, you know, going and we, we mentioned actually the DNB sort of as um, like a comparison sort of at the end. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, probably most people listening to this are somewhat less nerdy than I am. I spent like four hours reading the DNB's accreditation standards they actually mentioned staffing ratios for every, I didn't read the entire thing. So it was 300 pages, but for every, mm-hmm. you know, for every discipline that I could find, they actually mentioned evidence-based staffing ratios as like a, you know, an accreditation thing in their standards. From what I understand, they don't enforce this. And it's a little right. bit, it's a little bit vague about um, sort of how those ratios are determined, but mm-hmm. they are specifically named in their, in their, um, like book for accreditation. So I think to a certain extent we can use that to our advantage. Like I think if we, if we talk about the DNB next, we can say, listen, you guys name this. Why aren't, why aren't you enforcing this? Right. And then yeah. also we, like, we, Jayco DNB's got this in their fucking bylaws. Like why aren't you doing this? This isn't a right. new thing. These other accreditation organizations that are all fundamentally competing for money, like all right. of them want to be the accreditation agency that hospitals choose because they make mm-hmm. money off of that. Okay, like who's going to actually do this right? Who's going to actually enforce patient safety first and sort of by playing these other organizations off each other, someone exactly. someone eventually is going to have to be ahead of the curve and be like, all right, cool, we're the one that's going to do this. Exactly, yeah. And I think it's important too, you know, Tiffany actually pointed this out to me last night. Joint Commission does take ratios into consideration sometimes and it's the same thing it's like a it's a very vague thing it's not in their bylaws but it does like for example if there's a a fall on the unit uh-huh. then they will ask how many uh you know nurses Sitters were on the right. unit yeah. yeah yeah or like yeah like a suicide precaution um is a good example yeah. um and uh so it is there, but again, it's very vague. I just think we can start really holding them to some of this. They know if if it's if there's a problem on the unit and they're asking about ratios, then they know that ratios. They're Matter, acknowledging, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that it matters. They're just not enforcing it, and that's what we're really trying to do here. And I'm going to be honest with you. So the Jayco accreditation book is like $800 or something, and we don't have $800 right now. So I didn't read the details of their accreditation standards as thoroughly because I can't pay $800 to a nonprofit to understand how to make hospitals safer. I think that's... Isn't it funny that it costs that to see it, to see the transparency? That's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people should be able to see what are their hospitals being evaluated for. But, you know, I don't know. Um, so I think that's a problem, but so, I mean, I think, and I think with all of these organizations, I've talked to a couple of people about DNV and like how charting is such a big thing. And I feel like none of these organizations get super into like the root cause analysis of like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll say we have to take tape off the walls as an infection control thing, or we have to like put drinks away or get scuffs off the floor as an infection control thing. But we won't say we have to actually staff appropriately until it's a reactive thing because there's been a harm done. Like why are we not as proactive about staffing as we are about fucking tape? 
Exactly. Yeah. Because tape is easier. They can justify, they can come in, come out, do a couple little dings and they can leave. It's easier for everybody. Everybody makes money. They're symbiotic. That's really the answer. Right. And so somebody actually messaged me. I wanted to share this because I think this is a really important point about the amount of money that the joint commission brings in. Um, Someone wrote to me and said that they own a joint commission accredited hospice company and they paid almost $11,000 for the initial accreditation and then it cost $1,600 annually. And and the comment was, can you imagine how much a hospital, it's probably hundreds of thousands of dollars for the initial accreditation. Yeah. Yeah. And then every, every two years to keep repaying it. Yeah. And yeah. And then the annual fee on top of it. So, um, I mean, we're talking about massive amounts of money and that's why I think it's important to say, look, you can do something about this and look, they have an opportunity to be the good guy here. Yeah. If let's just say, let's just say for fantasy sake that they fold and they just say, you know what? We heard your petition loud and clear. We're going to revamp this whole organization. They would be the heroes in this. Oh my God. Yeah. They could make such a change with just their accreditation process. There, I know that CMS, like we keep saying, is the real root cause of this. But if they did that one policy change, they would change staffing across the nation. Yeah. And honestly, this is such a hard conversation. And the criticism that I surprisingly haven't seen as much of that I expected to get a lot of criticism for this is the fun thing about me and Abby is like we yeah. cri- we criticize our own shit more than anybody else does. Yeah. Um, but the criticism that I expected a lot of is, you know, if you all of a sudden unilaterally enforce safe staffing ratios, th- you know, people are going to say that patients aren't going to get access to care like that's And that's sort of what they said with California. Right. Like that was like a big right. concern. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and I think right right now we are obviously in a staffing Crisis. crisis. And honestly, yeah. the the thing that I, the nuance we need to add to this is we're in a staffing crisis in not just healthcare, in fucking every job in the world because millions of people have died or have become permanently disabled from COVID. And we're just like kind of not addressing that. Like, yeah, every, this is like not specifically a healthcare issue of not having people to work. This is literally everywhere. This is a systemic failure, blah, 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 blah. It's probably not inappropriate, <laughs> but you know, et cetera. I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> et cetera. And, and, but mm-hmm. I also think, I mean, just from the, we get how many fucking DMs a day of like, yeah, I left the bedside because I couldn't provide safe patient care. I left right. the bedside because it was physically harming me. It was emotionally harming me. And I'm just like, this entire staffing crisis is manufactured. Like this has been generated right. by the bad decisions of leadership and saying, oh, well, now we don't have people to work. So we're just going to not like, it's, right. it doesn't and- work. And use it as an excuse perpetually of, well, there's a nursing shortage. You know, I'm talking about nursing because I'm a nurse, but Mm -hmm. it's in general a workforce shortage. Um, But that's what we are. We're always taught. I mean, I was taught that in nursing school as a baby nurse of like the baby boomers are going to retire. We're going to have a lot more patients. We're going to have less nurses. Like this is a problem that we're going to face. And to some degree, that is true. To some extent, that is true. But like you're saying, like California, for example, they said, oh, well, how are we going to staff these hospitals if we have to have this many nurses? People flock to California now. Yeah. People would come back. I mean, think about somebody like me with an ankle injury. Maybe I could go back to the bedside if I didn't have 
you know, if I wasn't tripled in the ICU every single shift, like it's possible, you know? And one of the conversations we've seen a lot of is like, you know, we don't have enough spots in nursing school. There's a lot of like, there's not enough diversity in nursing schools. There's not enough training positions for new nurses. And honestly, that's, that's true in nursing. That's true to a certain extent in medicine. That's true in every discipline. But like, I mean, think about it. If your friend was like, oh, my 17 year old daughter or 17 year old son is trying to decide what they're going to do in college, they're thinking about being a nurse. Would you tell them to be a nurse right now? Would you no, tell them that this I is wouldn't. a fulfilling career? No, no, I, mean, I wouldn't. That's the yeah. thing. Since residency, I so I fucking love my job. I love being a doctor. I think being, Same. A, being an emergency doctor is the coolest fucking job in the world. I will die on that hill, but like, I would never tell anyone to be a doctor. Like, and you know, to, for me, for me, that's new. I yeah. used to tell everyone, go into nursing. It's the greatest job. You can do travel nursing. If you get bored, you can do something else. You can switch it up. You get to talk to people. You can help patients. You can make a pretty decent living depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great job. I mean, I can't imagine sitting in an office, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely wouldn't. You know, yeah. something, that, something that I thought would be actually a criticism more of us. And again, this just goes back to like how much Laura and I strategize and brainstorm this stuff before we actually release it. And then we communicate it to no one. Um, but I actually thought we'd get more criticism about why don't you unionize and why don't you use that as a route to legislation, which again is a fair criticism. Like I am a part of a union. Um, we do legislation. We do lobbying in Washington, DC. And by we, I mean, I'm not a part of that team, but I know that the somebody yeah, is, yeah. you know, um, and they're in Albany all the time. Do you know, this staffing committee, safe staffing committee that was passed in New York state, that was a direct impact from the unions here, um, putting pressure. And I think, I think we, we have always had this thing of like, is it one or the other? I think we have people who follow us. Um, they think it's one or the other union organizing or grassroots organizing, which is what impact is. It's both. Yeah. You you need both. You yeah. have to do both. And we are extremely pro-union. We, yes, unionize and get in legislation. They're in a position already to do that legislation and we're not. Yeah. So absolutely take yeah. that route. You know, um, we need both things to exist. Well, this got very off topic. Um, so it did. I think, I mean, I think, I think it does tie back because the question of why the joint commission, why, like if we want to build systemic change, why do we start with the petition against the joint commission? Um, None of these things are in competition with each other. You can come after the joint exactly. and also come after the CMS and also push for expanded union education. Like you can do all of those things at the same time. And we can work with these people that are, you know, making criticisms of our organization. A lot of the criticisms are valid. Like we should be doing all these other things. We don't have the bandwidth sure. right now because I, I have to be at work in an hour. Like we just can't do them all, you yeah. know? So literally, so I yeah. think this attitude of, one or the other, yeah. you have to pick. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's something, this, it's something that we just fundamentally reject. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. think that's true. We're going to keep getting these criticisms and that's fine. I'm totally welcome to criticisms, especially if there are something that's going to bring in a new way Help. of thinking that we haven't considered or bring in a new idea. And we're like, shit, like, yeah, we really didn't consider that great idea. Like we welcome that. But at the same time, we're only going to do what we're able to do at this moment with a mm-hmm. sort of an eye for long-term growth and like our long-term trajectory. So yeah. keep criticizing. I mean, we want to get better. We want your ideas. We do. We're not yeah, going to do we them actually, all right now. Yeah, we actually really welcome that. And I think some of the 
the really involved people that we've brought in as leaders are the people that will challenge us. And that's what we want. I do not want to surround myself with a board of directors that agrees with me. That's not what I want. Um, But I think this, like we just said, it is a marathon, not a sprint. This is not the end all be all. This petition, you know, because I I saw, you know, someone say, well, what is the petition? Like after the petition, what does that really solve? Well, after that, we're going to move on to our next campaign. And then when we get the 501c4, we're going to hit CMS. I mean, that's the long term. You know, this is this is not a one off. We're not, not going to promise that's our order of events. But, you know, like point being, like, right. You know, we're going right. to. Exactly. We have, yeah. At a, some. Yeah. At some point. And I think that's yeah. the thing is like this isn't like a, a petition for petition's sake or petition for publicity's sake. This is a right. petition to, I think, really start a dialogue. And I mean, look at it like, yeah. you know, we had, you know, a couple thousand, you know, 12,000, 13,000 people following us on Instagram. And that's amazing. But now we have 364,000 people that have read this and are having this conversation and are like, oh, like maybe I could send a letter to to the Joint Commission. Maybe I could right. do a little bit more. And that's huge. Like getting that sort of like little inkling of like, oh, maybe I can actually participate in this. Even if it's, you know, right. 1% of the people that signed this peti- petition are like, oh, I could do a little bit more. I could engage a little bit like, more. Like f- like for example, we sent those emails. We sent five thousand emails. We after they signed the petition, we asked people to do a little bit more to send an email to the joint commission as a template that we made. And we the first day we sent five thousand. No, we, the know? first hour we sent five thousand. We sent like eleven thousand oh. the first day. That was Abby's surgery day. She was very out of it. I I was on propofol and Bursad. I have a, no she idea was what was going day. on. But yeah, we sent five thousand emails literally in the first hour. Like it was very wow. fast. So like that's the thing of and that's the point of this this petition. Is this petition going to fix healthcare? Absolutely the fuck no. not. But no. is this petition a really good first step to one, let the joint commission commission know that we're here? Yeah. Put some pressure on. Yeah. yeah. Um and also sort of opens the door a little bit for activism. Collective action. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, exactly. you know, I think we are we're like really giving people a lot of things to criticize us for. I think we are gonna get criticism that this is like a low barrier performative yeah. kind of thing. Social media yeah. based. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, who is the future of nursing right now? Is it like people that are about to retire or is it like, yeah, it's mostly millennials. How, yeah. how are you going to get millennials engaged if not right. through social media? And just like starting that inkling, starting that thought of like, okay, maybe this is something I can participate in and something I can spend five minutes a month, you know, five minutes a week on is a huge first step. Like, I don't know. Right. I really believe, yeah. I believe in millennials. I believe in Gen Z. I believe that we're going to take over. The, Me too. Well, we're obviously going to take over the world because everyone else is going to die. But like, um, <laughs> that was dark. Okay. Um, <laughs> but like, I want to, okay. sorry, but like, I think the, I think there's a way to millennials want to engage. Millennials want to have this sort of informed opinion. And I think you have to meet people where they are. And I think that's what we're doing, you know? Yeah, I agree. You have to meet people where they are um, the old school way of like candlelight vigils and uh, stuff like that. It It's not 
it's not working. I've seen it. I've seen it in action. Sometimes it works. I'm not saying it never works. I California this October worked great. But I think the younger generations are engaged in different ways and we need to co- go to them. Yeah. We we I that's my thing is I don't want to keep asking for healthcare workers. I want to go to them and try to give them something so that they give me their time so that they get involved politically. Um I want to end with a quote that you sent me, Laura. Um, and I, I love this. I, I've been thinking about it all week, basically. This is by Diana Marino. She is uh, an organizer. Uh, and this was from Twitter. You sent it to me. So she said, organizing within capitalism will have you seeing fe- fellow organizers as competitors and have you fighting for scarce resources. I reject this. I see your win as my win. I want to collaborate, deepen ties, and subvert the system by building power together. That's the that's what we are here to say and to do. We support unions. We support other grassroots organizations. We support pockets of nurses who are rebelling against their CNO. Yeah. Like we we are here for all of it. We are not here to take the the glory and the whatever. We just want to make some change yeah. here, however we can. And that's what, that's how we started, right? Was that like there are a ton of nursing activists there are a ton of doc like physician activists there are like a ton of people just with like a, a lot of health policy experience and sort of one hand's not talking to the other and that's what I want us to be is like why none of this needs to be a competition this needs to be we all recognize our common interests our common humanity and we all fucking combine it like it's not about ego it's not about like us as an organization it's about how can we put this together to get everybody in the fucking world on board with, again, our common interests. Like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, if you have not signed the petition, please go to change.org slash safe staffing. If you have signed it, please share it. Um, tag five people who may not have seen it. Share it with your coworkers. Uh, please, if you could screenshot it and tag all of the local news in your area or even some of the bigger ones, we need to amplify this. We need to get it on the news. We want to have a meeting possibly with joint commission about this. We want to discuss it. If your news organization reaches out to you, they can reach us at press at impact and healthcare.org, or they can slide into our Instagram DMS. We are very on top of them right now. Um, Mm -hmm. the other thing is when you're sharing it with your friends, if you can share it with someone who's not your immediate colleague, if you're a nurse, share it with, I don't know, RT or someone else on, who's mm-hmm. on the floor, someone who's taking care of your patient who isn't your normal circle. We really want this to be interdisciplinary. We don't want this to be just nurses talking yeah. to nurses. We want to have these dialogues across yeah. disciplines. Yeah. And um, you don't have to be a healthcare worker to yeah. sign it. Get your get your partner to sign it, you know, get your neighbor to sign it. Like we want, this affects everybody. Patients are included in this petition. It's for patient safety. Ultimately, that's the goal is for patients. So have some patients sign it, you know, not your patients at your hospital, but (laughs) don't do that. that. Don't get fired. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. I mean, we all have friends who aren't in healthcare. Be like, send it to them. Be like, Hey, like, have you been a patient? Has your loved one been a patient? Like, don't you want them to have better care at the hospital? We really want, especially comments on the petition from people who aren't just in healthcare, because that's the point is this isn't just about right. our needs as workers. This is about patients' needs. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. And I'm sorry that you have to literally go work in the emergency room in like two hours. Um, mm-hmm. I'm but go drink 30 ounces of coffee and hope for the best. Great. great. That's, I love that. Great. I love that for you. You can always email us at rnmdpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to rnmdpodcast on Instagram and you can message us there too. All right. And uh, thank you to Nurse Blake for partnering on this petition and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.